Hey Oasis, I am so happy to be back with you today and get to speak to you and share a message from God's Word today. So uh, I've been looking forward to this and I got some great news. I have a brand new baby granddaughter and uh, about a week old today and she's getting lots of love and attention. So it's Skylar Brave. What an amazing name. So I'm excited about that, but I've uh, been looking forward to being uh, here and bringing the message to you today, and I was just thinking personally and reflecting on what is the most important, what are the most important message from God's Word for our life to live by, and you know, after pastoring for 35 years, I preach literally thousands of messages. And I don't really go through this uh, file system of messages I used to teach, but thinking about what's the the most important. And and when I think about that, for me, um, what ran through so many of the messages is the condition of our soul, the health of our heart. And um, I I, I like the the focus on how, how the scripture leads us into finding uh, a healthy soul through what we've encountered. And I, and I think that it might be even more so important today uh, in the world that we live in that you and I allow God to, to bring health and healing to our soul. And um, we hear a lot about emotional health and mental health and um, soul care. And we hear a lot about stress and anxiety and PTSD and burnout and all of this that's uh, been during this pandemic and, and the after effects of it. And I was in an airport recently and um you know before i boarded a flight there was a little uh, shop there and it had magazines all across the wall and literally as i went and looked at these magazine covers i even wrote the names down every cover it had prince harry and megan it had simone biles it had gabby petito one was megan trainer and Jennifer Aniston, and every one of them were talking about some kind of mental health or emotional health crisis that they went through. It's throughout our society. The good thing is we're talking about it. The, the realistic thing is it it's, can affect our soul so deeply and can affect our faith. So I wanted to talk about this. Uh, I read a study I think it was Psychology Today that said 8.6 million people between the ages of 18 and 64 in the United States have been diagnosed with PTSD. That's a lot of people. Uh, the society that we live in, we, we're all aware of the job loss, the relationship loss, the stress, the anxieties, the depression, um, all of these dynamics that we've experienced in our life uh, puts us in this place of need. And what's interesting is the very first message that we know Jesus preached. He, he preached from a portion of scripture in Isaiah that I want to talk to you about today. His first message was a message of hope and encouragement. It was about God's focus on bringing healing to the broken hearts and souls of humanity. Now, Jesus used this scripture for his first sermon, and um, right after that, they try to kill him. So hopefully this goes much better, 
my, my sermon than his first one. But I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 61. And look what this says. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So already we've talked about the brokenhearted and those who mourn. And it says the, um, the day of God's anger against their enemies. Verse 3, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. Now look at this last sentence. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Listen, do you identify with any of these? Have you ever felt captive and you needed freedom? Have you ever been through a broken heart? Of course you have. Have you ever been in mourning? Have you had grief that you've struggled just letting it go? And I, I feel like all of us could relate to some part of this. And, and I believe that God was saying to us, I care about the condition of your soul and the health of your heart. And I've anointed my son, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, to come and bring health and healing and freedom. This is a message of hope. This is a message that we all need in our life. And so he talks about a couple of very important things. He talks about healing the broken. He talks about good news to those who mourn or those who are in despair. And then he uses the imagery of they will be like a great oak tree. I don't know about you, but when I've gone through setbacks, when I've gone through hurts and failures, I start seeing myself different. I see myself out of the wound. I see myself out of the, um, the pain. And I don't know if you're like me, but I start wondering, well, wh what was my fault? Was it all my fault? Or what was my part in it? And I must be an idiot. And, you know, you start coming out with these things about yourself. And, and, and God says, in their righteousness, they will be like great oak trees. We have to begin to live our life out of vision for tomorrow rather than the pain of yesterday. Yeah, so Let's, let me say that again. We need to begin our life out of vision for tomorrow rather than out of the pain of yesterday. It's so easy. You would be pretty normal if you've been through heartbreak and you see yourself as broken. And sometimes it's good to start there. You admit it. You say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm in despair. I, I've been in depression or I've been, I've been carrying this anxiety. And you start there. But then living our life out of vision, that's an image that Jesus gave, a great oak tree. So it changes that. It shifts that, that view, that personal perspective from ashes to beauty, from despair to praise. And you know, the oak tree is a pretty impressive tree. I started reflecting on that, so I, I started reading up on it a little bit. And, and the oak tree is one of nature's greatest survivors. Isn't that interesting? That's what Jesus called us. The oak tree is a common symbol for strength and endurance. 
That's how God sees you. That's what he's provided for us in his righteousness that we can live by. A symbol of strength and endurance. Now, I don't know how significant a country who comes up with a a national tree, but what I found is that the oak is the national tree of USA, Germany, England, France, Romania, Poland, Jordan, Bulgaria, all these countries picking a tree. It's like, we want to pick the one of strength and endurance. That should be the image of ourself. That's where we're going. That's where we're headed is this place of strength. The oak wood itself it is the consistency of it has great strength and hardness, the hardness of the wood. And then they use that particular kind of wood for certain kinds of furniture and ships and flooring and things that, that need that strength. And that's what, what Jesus presented to us. That's what God brought to us through the prophet Isaiah. This oak wood is very resistant to uh, insects and fungal attack because that is their enemy. So God has put something on the inside of us to be able to resist and fight off our natural enemies. It keeps predators from destroying our life. The oak tree grows to a height, an average height between 50 and 70 feet high. And some grow as wide as 50. It's not unusual to see a white oak tree that is as wide as it is tall. And so you think about what a tree like that provides. It provides shade. It provides uh, protection. And there, there's so much to it. The, the massiveness of this, the, the lifespan of an oak is about 200 years and, and some live as long as a thousand years. Can you see it? Can you see some of these qualities in you? Or are you stuck in the pain, in the regrets, in the heartbreak, and the setbacks? The oak tree battles through all four seasons of life because it stores up resources in its sophisticated root system. You and I can endure the different seasons we go through as we, we have our roots in him, right? We have our roots in Christ. We have our roots in his word. We, uh, and, and it's not always what we feel, but it's what our roots are uh, plugged into. And the last thing that, that I'll, I'll say about the imagery of this oak tree is, is about the fruit. The fruit is the acorn nut. And it's what I noticed that was really interesting is that the, the production of acorns start at the age of 25, between 20 to 50 years old. So that tree is growing and during these seasons, uh, but doesn't bear fruit for 20 to 50 years. And even then, when it does, it takes uh, these, these seeds from the acorn, takes six to 24 months, almost two years to mature. So just from a pastor of experience, fruit takes time. All right, you know, it's exciting to see the suddenlies. It's exciting to see, man, I came to Christ last week and this week my life has changed. But I'm telling you, it's what happens in your life over 10 
15, 20, 25 years, you see the fruit, not only just fruit in your life, but those who are impacted by our life. We've got to shake ourselves free from the despair and the ashes to the beauty that God has put inside of us. So I want you to know, whatever you've been through, you're not alone. There is hope. You are not forgotten. And what I want you to do, please listen to me. What I want you to do, in the midst of your pain, make the decision to turn toward God and not turn away. That is the most frustrating thing that I've ever witnessed in my 40 years of ministry is when people go through difficulties, at the time they need God most is when they will turn from him. Why is this happening? If God loved me, if God was present, if the word was true, if this wouldn't have happened, and so they turn away. And I'm like, wait, in your uncertainty, in your pain, in your doubts, turn to him. It's so important to, in those moments, say, I don't know why this happened. I'm not sure how it's all going to work out. I don't know what I'm going to do. But one thing I am going to do is I'm going to keep as close to you, God, as I can as I go through this season of my life. Turn toward him. So as we live through these various seasons and we go through these difficulties and, and the struggles of life, um, what should be our consistent focus? So... Good question. I'm going to answer it for you. <laughs> I'm going to read to you a portion of scripture I have read hundreds of times because it's so important. This is uh, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, this young leader that he's mentoring in 1 Timothy 1, verse 5 and 6. And this is what he says. The purpose of my instruction. The purpose of the gospel, the purpose of my mentoring you, discipling, the purpose of ministry is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. He said the purpose of studying, the purpose of growing, the purpose of um, enduring is so that we would have these three things, love that comes from a pure heart, that we would have a clear conscience and that we would have genuine faith. And then he says in verse 6, But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spent their time in meaningless discussions. You know, sometimes we can get so intellectual that we're not that smart. We can be so academic and break the Greek down. And it's like, yeah, yeah, great. But do you have love from a pure heart? Is it leading you to that? Is it helping you find a clear conscience? Is it helping you have a genuine faith? So it says, if these are neglected, we're missing the whole point. As you go through these seasons, as you go through these seasons of maybe you're, you're in a moment of isolation. Maybe you feel like alone in the circumstances that you're in. And that's one of the things that we've seen in the pandemic and that has surfaced in people's health when you start getting weighed down with anxiety or depression or something, then you start feeling like you're alone and start retreating, moving toward isolation. And um, don't want you to, in those moments, lose focus of what you can do that will bring you through it. 
And so our focus should be love from a pure heart. So what does that mean? To me, it's being able to love in a way that you are free from brokenness. So that we're able to love, fully love others. And um, maybe when we can't sort everything out, but we, we love them fully. Um, and we work on the purification of our soul. That we're not, not trying to build friendships out of what it could uh, win for us. You know, like what it could attain for us. If I got close to this person, if I was friends with this person, I mean, in L.A., I mean, everybody, it's like who you know, they say. It's who you know. Well, maybe if, it's, if God is who you know or who he's made you. But sometimes that contaminates the purity of why we love. We're giving. And, and um, well, that's not easy just to say, oh, yeah, I love from a pure heart. That takes regular work in, in asking God to search our heart. It's um, in Psalm 51.10, David says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So he's praying that prayer of, of search my heart and, and create this clean, cleanness, purity in my soul. And so I've, I found myself praying for a healthy and untethered soul. I, I read uh, a book with that title about the untethered soul, and I thought, what a great word, because I can, I can see myself with little entanglements of past conversations. Do you know what I mean? It's like somebody says something. We, all, we should know by now what triggered is. <laughs> and so, you know, there's nothing like being in a simple, honest conversation, and then all of a sudden somebody mentions someone, mentions a situation, and you get triggered. It's like you go back to that time where you put so much hope in this person or trust in that situation, and it didn't go right. And so there you are with, with your heart that you have to protect, that you have to take care of. And so we're asking God, help me live this life, my life in such a way that I continually work on having an untethered soul. Lord, help me not to be pressing for significance. Help me to not be fighting for recognition, unhindered by past hurts or losses or disappointments, free from bitterness, fully forgiving. Heal my soul from any residue of grief and anxiety. I'm telling you, we're all in, we're, we're all in the same world together. We're in the same life. It doesn't matter how long you followed God uh, or, or how short you followed him, we have to deal with issues of the soul. Are you really healed? Or are you just trying not to think about it? Wow. <laughs> Nothing like a trigger in a conversation to bring that question to mind. So you just go back through that loving from a pure heart. Lord, help me to love that way that you want me to love. And then he says, a clear conscience. And to me, what, how I read that is a clear conscience being not only free from guilt or free from shame, but peace of mind. 
so that when if your conscience is cleared then it's it's uh you're at peace with where you are now you know how paul talked about learning the secret of being content and he's not where he wants to be but he's not where he used to be and and he's he's found a way to be grateful in the moment and um, so when we're able to not live our life in shame that we can resolve past failures or regrets it's that that peace of mind where we are in this moment in this season and winter comes to everyone's life summer comes the fall and we want to go through these different seasons with a clear conscience, having peace of mind. And I understand wanting to move forward and drive forward and, and desire to accomplish something significant. But sometimes it happens better when that sense of significance is resting in God's hands. Sometimes uh, thoughts are a battle. Wait, let me just back that up. All the time, thoughts are a battle, not just sometimes. And sometimes when I'm trying to redirect thoughts from past negative experiences so that I'm living out of vision for the future, not out of the pain of the past, trying to redirect these thoughts, it's like taming wild horses. Sometimes thoughts are so intrusive. You ever wake up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. and start thinking about something you should have done or you didn't do or I forgot about how could I mess, mess that up? Or, and these thoughts come into your head and it competes for this clear conscience. But I, I, I feel like where I'm at in my life is that I'm, I'm trying to recognize if I'm living under a constant need of endorsement or if I can just let that go. I don't need to audition. I want to say the right thing. I want to be a good man. I want to think the right thoughts. But what I, we have to be alert to what contaminates our thinking in our soul. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter said this, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of uh, gold jewelry or fine clothes like I'm wearing now. <laughs> Rather, it should be of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. The beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. To me, that speaks of this clear conscience that, we, that um, Paul was talking about. What does it mean to work on yourself? You ever thought about that? It's like you gotta, you gotta work on your soul. You gotta work on it. What does it mean to work on yourself? Well, one thing it means is you have to stop waiting for other people to change. That's when you work on yourself. What if you never get that apology? Is that okay? Can you, can you let that go or that relationship go? Some people are just toxic. 
You know, so it's an, you can love and you can forgive and you can be at peace, but you don't have to sit down for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of protecting your soul. But, but then it's um, not waiting for someone else to give you that endorsement or to um, meet that need, but that you find a way yourself to rely on what God provides. So I think when it's talking about clear conscience, I think of peace of mind, and I also just think of resolving the past hurts and, and disappointments in life. And the reason this is so important, because when we hear the, the numbers about uh, PTSD, and we hear the numbers about burnout and stress, burnout occurs when we're constantly living beyond our capacity or our emotional reserve and so when your emotional reserve is going into dealing with the, the regrets and the fear and the shame and and all the stuff in our soul it, it can wear us out and we have to be reminded that in psalm 34 verse 18 it says the lord is close to the brokenhearted Save the souls who are crushed in spirit. We have to keep that vision of he will take us from where we were in pain and take us to a place of great strength like the oak tree. He has, that is the reason the anointing of the Holy Spirit was on Jesus is to bring that to us from, straight from the heart of the Father. And the last one of these three things, what we're focusing on in the midst of all these different seasons of life so we don't get off track and find ourselves stuck in despair. The third one is genuine faith. Genuine faith. Um, so let's talk about that for a minute. To me, genuine faith has so much to do with gratitude. Genuine, genuine means sincere and true, obviously. But what... What becomes an enemy to that is when we find ourselves ungrateful. So maybe part of that work with loving people from a pure heart and getting free in our, in our soul is going to either start with or be founded on gratitude. So like, yeah, I wish things would have been different. I wish that relationship, man, as a, it, it's a, no stretch to look back over... Uh, a few decades of ministry and go and think of a several things I wish I would have handled that differently. I wish I would have said that a little smoother. You know, I wish I would have just kept my mouth shut that time. And, um, but finding a way to have gratitude where you are now. Thank God for his faithfulness. Thank God for his grace and for his mercy. And even though I've messed up a few times. He's been faithful to bring strength, to bring healing, to keep my feet on solid ground. I'm grateful for friends. I'm grateful for family. I'm grateful for granddaughters. <laughs> um, you know, and we find a way to be grateful in what God has provided in the moment. And I, I think it's interesting because that there's a challenge there with faith because with faith, we're, we're looking forward. And we're believing God for something. We're asking God to change a circumstance. Maybe change, intervene in a person's life. 
And so we're, we're using our faith to bring change, but we also have to use our faith to find gratitude in where we are right now. And that's one of the places in the New Testament that this is the will of God that you find uh, that you give thanks in every situation. Thanking God. The person who becomes ungrateful loses a source of life in your faith. A person who becomes ungrateful in their tone and in their temperament loses a life source of what makes faith so life-changing. The second thing, a second dynamic, um, and just simply talking about genuine faith, is trust. Trust is, um, I, gratitude and trust, those are my two words for you today with genuine faith. And it's trusting God in a new season. Trust, trusting God in the next season. And, you know, we're always trusting God for the, the no, next open door and the next season. It's just that when we get into that season that we learn to trust him. So it's like, oh, Lord, I trust you. One day I'm going to get married. And then you get married. And you're like, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> now you got to trust him while you're married, in the marriage. you got to trust him in this season. Like, oh, Lord, I wanted that job. I'm trusting you to give me that job. That door opens. You're in the job. Now you're like, wow, it's different than I thought it would be. Now i got to trust you in the job, in this time. And you know what is so powerful, so simple, easy to say, but powerful, is trusting he will provide and trusting he will guide. In, a, in facing cancer, I didn't feel real victorious, but I said, God, I, I'm trusting you. I, I, at times I felt like I couldn't be strong enough. But I said, well, you know what? I'm going to trust your strength at a time where I don't feel so strong. It's trusting that he would provide. Trusting that he will guide. What circumstance are you in that the solution or what might ease a lot of pressure is that he'll guide you. I like to know. You know, I'm a planner. I like, I like to have my list. I like God to give me the list and spell it all out for me. And he doesn't do that too much. You know, it's, it's sort of like I'll give you step one and then you trust me. Hey, and even doing something I did for 35 years, being a lead pastor, preparing sermons every week, week after week, at least one sermon, you know, sometimes more. And then all of a sudden, nothing. And all of a sudden, pandemic. <laughs> then it's like, now, now what? My thoughts, I was going to be traveling to Africa and doing the things I've done with missions, but that's all shut down. So what, do I, what am I left to do? Trust God that he'll guide me. Trust God that he'll provide. So is it okay if he guides me to just relax for a while? Just rest for a while? It's like, okay, I can trust you with that. But there's something in me that's like, how about now? You know? <laughs> okay, I trusted you last week. How about this week? Like, no, they're shutting, they're still shut, closed down, you know. So you trust. Courage in life comes from trust. The courage that we need comes from trust at the core, trusting God. Listen, there is no place where God is not. There is no place where you are right now 
wherever you're listening to me, online here, there is no place that God isn't. So you may feel alone, but you're not. He's there. He is with you, and you can trust him. If you're in the middle of battles, if you're feeling fatigued, if you're recovering from a bad relationship, God is with you. And the direction for you is clear. Keep pursuing loving people and loving God from a pure heart. Keep working on that clear conscience, that peace of mind, and a genuine faith. Just genuine, simple, trusting God. Trusting he'll guide you. Trusting he'll provide. I'm going to close just telling you this story. An odd kind of story. But it, it is incredible. It's a story about a man who lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in the 1800s. And his name is Alfred Blackstone. And at 47 years old, Alfred Blackstone fell into some kind of coma. And his wife called the doctor. He was unconscious, sick. The doctor comes, and when the doctor got there, he could find no pulse. He looked terrible. He was pronounced dead. He was determined that he was dead, and he was buried swiftly, as they did in those days, a cemetery right next to the church, a local church. And as I was reading this story, the next day after he was buried, there was a wedding planned at this church. And as the bride is coming up with some of her, her family and friends, they heard a distinct knocking sound coming from the cemetery next door. And they walk over and they find out that this sound is coming from the freshly dug grave of Alfred Blackstone. And so the whole wedding party ends up digging dirt out pulling out this casket, opening up, and there he is, alive. He was buried alive, and yet someone heard this faint sound of knocking on that grave. And you know, when I heard that story, after I got over having difficulty breathing, <laughs> I started thinking, man, have you ever felt like your faith is just dead? Have you ever thought your opportunity it's dead. It's like, there's no hope for me. It's like, yeah, Pastor Philip, I like the message. I hear what you're saying, but you don't know my situation. Maybe you feel like there's no hope, that there's death going on. But I want to tell you that there's something alive on the inside of you. Don't give up. It's the presence of God. It's the grace of God on the inside. And he specializes in bringing life, changing circumstances, bringing miracles, bringing hope and taking you where you need to go. He's, he can be trusted. You can trust our God. Let me take a minute and pray for you right now. Every person here, Lord, that's watching online, I pray, Lord, that you would bring hope to them. I pray for those in particular that are in despair, that are just distraught and see no direction. What do I do next? I pray, Lord, that you would give them encouragement, that you'd give them hope. I pray, Lord, that you would show them how to turn toward you rather than away from you. I pray that every person listening to this prayer right now will make a decision to turn toward Christ. Turn and put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in the Father that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you and he will take you from this place 
of despair to a place of beauty and a place of strength. God, bless their life with your presence. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Heal our souls and free us to serve you. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you so much for letting me share his word with you today.